0: Time of the uh, day on a Monday when we have our guest in. And I'm very excited to be joined by some of the cast and crew, of course, from Avenue Q, the amateur production coming to the Mumford Theatre, and of course we've got our director in. Hello, how are you?
1: Hello, thanks for having me.
0: You're very welcome. Um, first of all, bone of contention: '90s music, It's too good to be forgotten. Hmm. Anyway, <laughs> so Davina, can you tell me a little bit more about your role in the production and how, how you got involved?
1: Absolutely. Well, uh, I moved back to Cambridge recently and I, I've been directing shows and I, I saw that Avenue Q was coming up and I've seen it in the West End and was utterly transported by the wickedly uh, naughty songs and wonderful puppets. So I applied to direct to the festival players who are the society putting it on and, uh, and then we went from there. OK. And kind of directing experience before? I've done quite a few shows at the Minack Theatre in Cornwall. Oh fantastic. And uh, we've recently uh, took a production of Gilbert and Sullivan to the Buxton Festival where we won a few awards and best show which was very good.
0: ah that's well that's 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 good as well. Okay, fantastic. Now, the reason why I'm so excited is Avenue Q. I mean, it is something in its own right that people go wow, I must go and see it, isn't it? It's something that you can't you, if it, I hate to say, it, if it goes wrong, people moan about it, don't they? <laughs> they do because it's held in such high esteem uh, yes. and, and, and um, regard. Can I ask you, from the point of view of the production, is much changed in the production being locally produced?
1: Well, uh, we obviously the the puppeteering is is the biggest challenge, and uh, in, what we've had is we've had. Uh, workshops with uh, Mark Goldthrop, who played Nicky Trekkie in the West End. And uh, we spent a lot of time with rehearsal puppets, and we finally got the show puppets uh, just before the show. Uh, so um, we have to spend a lot of time learning how to puppeteer, if that makes sense, before we even go into the show.
0: That's what makes the show unique, though, isn't it? Because a it lot of is. people who go into the show haven't actually done puppeteering before, so yes. it's a whole new skill to learn. It is. It's, very, it's quite scary. I remember going backstage when I was in London and, and being handed a puppet and nearly freaking out, so I, I, I feel <laughs> for that one. Um, so the run itself, how long is it for?
1: It's for uh, almost two weeks. We start on Wednesday the 5th and we go till Saturday the 15th with a matinee on the final Saturday at 7.30pm at the Mumford Theatre at Anglia Ruskin.
0: OK, fantastic. And what are tickets costing at the moment? Can I ask?
1: That's a very good question and I'm sure the website would tell you very <laughs> particularly. <laughs> Have I caught you uh, out? It's uh, £12 with £10 concessions.
0: OK, fantastic. Right, so we've um, we've got some of the the characters with us as well. We'll be chatting to them very shortly as well. Uh, and... Uh, there's some emails already coming in about it, which we'll be reading to you very shortly. I love it when this happens. There's some pretty iconic roles there, there are any few, aren't there? Uh, to name but a few. Um Let let's let's get to know some of the characters that we've got got coming in on the show. Can you introduce some in Absolutely. particular? Absolutely.
1: Well we've got we've got one of my personal favourites, the very large, very hairy, Trekkie Monster. Hi, Trekkie. Hello. How are you
2: today me fine are you liking the
1: music choices
2: me liking rocking robin yes yes lots of dancing mm. who's
1: your favorite singer,
2: signature oh me thinking mm. who's the one who wears the oh I, i'm not supposed to say on radio <laughs> <No,
0: laughs> keep
2: it clean me, me quite like diana ross
0: <laughs> oh okay diana ross i like mm. that answer <laughs> okay so um what trekkie um personality wise can we can we ask that without offending too many people
2: <laughs> you can try okay
0: all right then
2: me um, me me a bit of recluse, recluse. meet okay. me stay at home okay me me, me look at the internet most all right of the okay day. wikipedia or, or uh uh no okay. we all know
1: the internet is for yeah. age-appropriate age-appropriate yes
2: me, me being told not to swear okay yeah, all right we it's like it's okay that Tricky, one. you can swear it's not real it's not on, it's not on air he's lying no, no, me being told not to swear. And I've been idea bear, I think. Is that correct?
1: Yes, that is right. Hi there. Hi there, be- are, there are normally two of them, and they do tend to uh, create a little bit of trouble. Yeah,
2: my friend can't come today. She's having a lion.
0: A oh. lion? Yeah. On a Monday? Yeah,
2: I know. <laughs> I told her she could, but actually, she's supposed to go to work.
0: <laughs> so, uh, what kind of fiascos do you cause in the show?
2: Then? Oh, all sorts. I mean,. Somebody, who would think it's a bad idea to have a drinking game the day before a really important interview?
0: Oh, I do it all the time. It's normal, isn't it?
2: Real? Oh, yeah. I like you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you can come back, certainly. So, um, cause there's so many iconic tracks or songs, even, from the show, aren't there? Yeah. Um, and we were playing a game just off air about which ones we can mention. Uh, probably the best way to say is, how would you describe the show to someone who hasn't seen it? Would it be fair enough to say Sesame Street? adult?
1: It is definitely uh, Sesame Street for adults. I mean, it's written by the guys who brought you the Book of Mormon, so it gives you an idea of the sort of wonderfully irreverent uh, and un-PC humour that you get in the show. Uh, there are a couple of songs which titles we probably shouldn't say on the air, but yes. there are, just to give you a, a little taste of sort of things like if you were gay, that'd be okay things like that
0: Okay, and my favourite one so far, suppose, my favourite one actually, was uh, what do you do with a BA in English? It's, it's <laughs> ironically, always a, ironically. Uh, apparently
1: Direct Avenue Q, as I did a BA in English. Oh, okay, <laughs> there's
0: the answer to that one there. Um, to be fair, I mean, I'm a big I'm a big Q fan, and um, I know there are lots of people out there who um, have always s- kind of approached the production with a very kind of sedate, kind of how-do-I-take-it kind of view. Like my mum my was always... Try to avoid seeing it. I think she's always scared of being offended. Is it the kind of thing that is safe to take your
2: parents to, really? Oh yes, if parents not too offended. But, <laughs> but parents parents have produced children, so they know what goes on. That's that's
0: <laughs> brilliant Brilliant answer. Try not to love too much there. (laughs) I've got a big smile on my face. I've got Davina, of course, and some of the uh, cast from Avenue Q in the studio, so I'm happy. Good morning, guys. Hello. Hi, Hi, Bear. How how are you, Trey? You alright? You behaving yourself?
2: Mm, Me found unsecured Wi Fi connection, so me been looking at internet.
0: Mm, Okay, don't tell my station producer that, whatever you do. Okay. You've been staring at the desk as well. Don't you dare press any buttons.
2: Mm, Me been looking at knobs. (laughs) On, On fader, on fader. unfader
0: how well do you Mm. manage to keep these guys under control Davina it's
2: very difficult (laughs) he's
1: fine Putting you... a bad idea bear to look after Trekkie's probably a bad plan. No,
2: no, I have all the right qualifications.
0: So you, you, your roles, um, obviously, if uh, that sounds rude, your roles uh, as in how you cast them, obviously in the London production they were very limited, there were a very number, limited number, number of casts. How have you dealt with that?
1: They they do, they they only have seven casts in the West End production and each puppeteer plays at least two puppets and sometimes puppets one and voices two on stage at the same time. Yeah,
0: especially it's... with Kate Monster, that was a very very particular yes. role and you had Princeton and uh, was it um, Rod? Princeton and Rod double
1: and uh, Nikki and Trekkie double. Uh, so we decided not to go that way simply because we had uh, just the sheer numbers of people auditioning. It was incredibly impressive and we had such a good pool, including some uh, professional actors as well. So we decided to uh, take a cast of 16 wow. and we've actually created our own little uh, dancing pigeon chorus as well for a few moments in the, in the show.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. Now, the other one, of course, that um, is, is kind of, was key to the London production, if, if, if people have seen it, was um, the, video proje- the video projections. I mean, they played quite a big part didn't they how have you got around that I mean because I know obviously they must be expensive to hire
1: they are they are expensive to hire (laughs) Uh, we decided to uh, to spend more money hiring good puppets I think Uh, we've decided to do them uh, practically uh, and with a chorus of uh, we have an ensemble of seven so uh, we're having a lot of fun uh, doing them practically and somewhat more irreverently than the videos were done
0: Okay, that, that that's positive to hear as well. Uh, now, now Trekkie, the question for you um, mm. is: Is this a happy ending of this production? Oh. Or Can you tell me that, giving it away too much or not?
2: Me, me, at end, me very happy with situation. Me can continue looking at internet, mm. but also there is there is good thing for all the little monsters. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> very very happy.
0: see, uh, so I love my job. One eight five. It's brilliant. Um, <laughs> So the the other one, uh, which which also must be asked, is you had quite a lot of of Americanisms in the show. You had quite a lot. You had Gary Coleman, for example, is a classic example of someone. What (laughs) what was the? uh, How did you come around that? What's your decision on that one? Because obviously a lot of people might not get that nowadays. Or am I just being really old fashioned?
1: Uh, Well, no. I must admit, I didn't. I hadn't seen Different Strokes, and I vaguely knew who Gary Coleman was, but uh, I hadn't seen the show, so I didn't get the sort of what are you talking about, Willis? Reference, but. it was uh, down to uh, a wonderful woman called Trinetta Jones, who mm. teaches locally, who came and auditioned for us. And she, uh, she looks, uh, well, very female, but uh, she looks like Gary Coleman and uh, <laughs> has the most fabulous voice for Loud as the Hell You Want.
2: She yes. has a very, very good pair of lungs. Uh, lungs. lungs. Yes, Thank you, tricky. Tricky.
1: Thank you. Uh, <laughs> so uh, we decided to stay with it, and uh, hopefully, people will understand. <laughs> We've got a couple of in-jokes that we've changed from Americanisms uh, into kind of across the pond.
0: I mean, even on the West End production, there were a lot of in-jokes that probably you would have got you would get over here that the Americans wouldn't get so it's kinda quite, quite nice to see you can put your own twist on something Yes. keep it live and but also local which is, is, is kind of the important thing because I mean a lot of people they forget that like a, an amateur production is just as big just as important as, as a West End production or something that's touring Um. so absolutely you really need to get behind it and watch it don't they yes so how can they get tickets come on do the hard sell for me oh
1: well absolutely well we have our own website festivalplayers.org which is all about the society in which we're working with and the mumford theatre obviously that's where we buy tickets so uh, on their website you'll see a wonderful picture picture of our uh, very hairy and purple and orange trekkie Uh, just click on that link and it should be able to sell you some tickets for one of our many performances
0: fantastic yeah
2: you should buy some for your friends
1: too in
0: bulk. Yeah. yeah. Oh right, okay. Well we'll certainly well I've already got one, I might have to come see it again. I don't know. Yeah, see. come again. Come again. Alright, Tim will give me time off. I'll, we're coming along.
3: Community radio in your city. Yeah. Cambridge 105
0: Good morning, welcome along. I've now been joined by the lovely smiley um, of course uh, Ellie. Good morning, Ellie. Good morning. Thank you for uh, coming in today and talking to us about, about well, what do you do exactly? Give us your title. What do you like to call yourself?
4: Oh, well, I'd probably call myself an author and illustrator of children's books. So, um, I essentially, I colour in professionally.
0: You colour in professionally. I love it. Okay. And you've got, you, you, right, so you had a launch, didn't you? That was last week?
4: Oh, yeah. On Saturday, I did a brilliant event at Cambridge Central Library um, for my book, Weasels.
0: Okay. And you've got another book coming out
4: oh yeah in april my next book nuts in space will be out i think it's out on the 4th of april
0: okay all right then so tell me a little bit about your work what how do you describe it i know it's like coloring in for adults (laughs) and such but how how do you describe it
4: well essentially it takes the form of picture books so i write and illustrate books and they're usually um very very detailed slightly manic books and people tell me they're funny and uh, well we my book weasels it's about um what weasels really do all day, which isn't frolic in the leaves and eat nuts and bre- um, nuts and nuts berries, what they really do is plot world domination. So it's sort of like a James Bond spoof where there's hundreds of weasels in a huge underground base and it's about the issues they have trying to take over the world.
0: Sounds like my kind of book. I might have to get this book. Sounds really good. So how did you get into illustration then?
4: Oh, well, Originally, I, I went to university and I studied fine art. Um, but I found fine art was an awful lot about um, piles of bricks and pickled sharks and things like that, and I wasn't really fitting in. And because, um, and because of studying fine art, I had to go to the, to the Tate Modern, the gallery in London, quite a lot, and um, I found that I was spending more time in the gift shop where they have a really brilliant children's children's book section, reading the books, than I was actually in the galleries looking at the art. so I decided it was probably time for a career change at that point.
0: And you studied... So you studied... Oh. I
4: did an MA in children's book illustration at the um, Cambridge School of Art here. Okay. And it just went from there, really.
0: And um, to, to, how does it work? Do you get spotted? How do, How do you go about getting your book published? Because I mean, that must be an awful lot of work. Do you get spotted oh, yeah. by someone, or do you send your book out? Or
4: oh well, what ha- I have a um, I have a really brilliant agent called Frances Mackay who is um who basically turned up and did it all for me. I originally I won her in a competition. Um, I entered a, co- a competition run by her agency. Um. Where you'd win, um, um, essentially it was dinner with Francis, and you get to go and meet a publisher and show them your work. I won this competition called the Illustration Rally, and um, from that, Francis um plucked me out of obscurity and, um, yeah, basically got me published. Yeah.
0: Okay, fantastic. Because um, you've been nominated for quite a few awards, and you I mean, you've won a few as well, haven't you? Oh,
4: it's been it's been a good it's good been a good year for awards. Yeah, I think um, the the one the one of the ones I'm really pleased of is, is I was um one of the um, finalists for the Roald Dahl Funny Prize.
0: That must have been a, a pretty epic thing to be nominated for and becoming a finalist for.
4: Yeah, it was a bit crazy. There was a huge um, like, award ceremony at the um, Cambridge Theatre in London where, they have, um, where they've got the musical Matilda at the moment, so they've got this amazing set there. And uh, Michael Rosen, who is a, um, a really brilliant writer and you know, a huge advocate of children's books, was um, there. he did the award ceremony. I was a little bit overwhelmed. It was sort of like the Oscars, but on a much smaller scale.
0: I like that description. I mean, because, I mean, if you, I don't know it sounds a bit weird. I mean, I'm always, I'm not nowhere near at your level of uh, big. a book of drawings. So I, I can do doodles, and I can probably do a stick man that looks like a woman. But that, that's probably about the best thing. But I mean, I, I know there are lots of people out there who who are really keen on, on drawing and art and all the rest of it. So what kind of advice would you give them if they want to not only have a book published, but want to have a look at maybe potentially going down the line of more illustration work? What would you suggest?
4: Oh well, I think the most important thing is um. You've got to draw all of the time. You've got to um, all, like, always be sort of developing your craft in a way. So if you, you know, go out and draw things from life, you know, in reality, and just and that really, if, you, if you've got sort of a really good grounding and you can really draw, there's not much, um, there's, there's not really, you can't, it's just the way to start, really, and you've really got to be able to create the artwork.
0: So you've got to be motivated yeah. and, and, and kind of centred on, on the thing you're doing. How long did it take you then to create Weasels?
4: Oh, well um it probably only took me about six months in total but it was um, I did weasels for my um, for the final project for my um, the masters that I did in children's book illustration so I had um, because I decided that I was going to have a whole finished book for the end of this course where we had this we had big, we had a big gallery show um, up at Foyles in London um, for the end of the course but all of these um, pu- London publishers were going to turn up to and I decided I had to have a finished book for this. So um, I spent an awful lot of time not getting any sleep in in the back bedroom of our flat, frantically trying to finish this book. So that was quite quick, but generally it takes a lot longer than that to actually do a children's
0: book. And so when you're designing something like this and drawing it, mm-hmm. do you first plan where it's going or do you design on I mean like you said about the whole plot thing about weasels well, taking mm-hmm. over the world, which I think sounds like an absolute genius idea. I think cats plot a lot of it as well, but that's another story for another day. Um what, how do you go about planning that? Is that something you you sit down and you write like, well I know where I want to go with it. I know what I'm doing. Do you in an essence do a, a, like a storyboard or like a like a synopsis or do you just go for it?
4: Well, I don't know if I ever really know what I'm doing. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, what, I, what I'll do, once I've got, a, a kind of, I've got an idea of what the book's going to be about, so I've decided that, yes, I want to do a book about megalomaniac weasels, um, I will do, essentially, sort of like a storyboard where you do, you do tiny little squares that represent each double-page spread in a book. And then do like really, really rough outlines of what you think is going to be on that page. So you can work out sort of how the book's going to flow and what's going to go where. And whether you can actually cram it all into a picture book. Because they only have, as a rule, 32 pages. Which might sound like a lot, but actually is barely anything.
0: Yeah, I suppose you're doing that, that trying to cram as much in and trying to get as much detail as you possibly can in your book. That must be quite a challenge on that one. Um, now, you know. To be fair, what you do? What do you work in mostly? Is it pencils? Is it inks? What? How? What do you? What do you use?
4: Oh well, I do a, a pen and ink outline, and then um, usually what I'll do is I'll um, on a separate sheet of paper from the outline that I've done, I'll um, do the I'll do the flat colour. So then I've got two sheets of paper. I scan them into the computer, and using the wonders of digital witchcraft, I will layer them up.
0: Oh, fantastic. OK, because I think a lot of people have this idea that illustrators just, just go from rough and they just do it and there is no there is no technical wizardries. But I suppose all that stuff's there now to help you, I suppose.
4: It does make life an awful lot easier. Also, I make an awful lot of mistakes and the wonders of um using something like a programme like Photoshop is you can press the undo button and suddenly all of your awful mistakes are erased from history.
0: So, so was there a lot of... Not heartache, probably the wrong word. When you were designing this book, when you came up with, well, even the first book that you came up with, how was there a lot of a lot of um, planning into that? Was there a lot of I I really know where I want to go with this? I'm going to go with it. How long did it take? I mean, I've asked how long it took to make it, but what kind of concept-wise? I mean, how do you come up with megalomaniac, megalomaniac? You know, weasels, for example. Where's that come from?
4: Oh well, um, while I was on the. um on the master's course we did a over the project we did over the summer we did a class project and um, then we decided that we were gonna do an A B C book and everyone was gonna get a letter and then you had to draw something beginning with that letter. And I got letter W, which is an awful letter because nothing <laughs> begins with W. I really wish I would have got a T or an S or an E or something like that where you could draw anything you wanted to, but nothing begins with W. So I spent most of the summer, which is about two months, just thinking what am I gonna do with this? I've no idea. But in the end I just um I went for the dictionary and thought, tried to find things that, baguette, that, be, um, that begin with W, and there's weasels, and there's world, and then, then it just sort of led to world domination, which sounds more it. fun. Than-
0: so we're talking illustrations, and, um, I mean, you said the best bit of advice for anyone who's, who's keen on, on, on getting involved into anything like that is to draw and, and to stick to it rigidly.
4: Yeah, it sounds like an, it sounds like an obvious thing to say, but, um, yeah, you've really got to develop your craft, really.
0: Is it, is it something you can have a natural skill for?
4: Oh well, I think there are people out there who are naturally talented, but I think for myself, it was just an awful. I just did it an awful lot and got good at it. I think you can. You um, artistic talent talent in a way is something that you can learn through practice. It's like learning to do anything, but there is sort of this, a big mystique about you know the ability to you know create sort of artwork of any form. But I don't think it needs to be quite as quite as, quite as much like that.
0: Okay. All right, well, that's nice and nice and encouraging. I've still got a career ahead of me. I like it. No, I'm joking. I'll leave the professionalism to you. So, how can we find out more information about you? and Where can we go? What's your website?
4: Oh, my website is um, www.ellydolan.com. Um, I've got a funny-spelt name, so that's yes, you have E L Y S, and then D-O-L-A-N.com.
0: And all the information on there, plus how to buy your book, is also on there as well. Oh isn't yes,
4: it? it's also available. You know, from all major bookstores and from you know. At, various places on the internet actually i know they've
0: got a lot of copies in at heifers at the moment that's it's so rewarding to be able to hear someone say my books in a bookstore you can get it in major must yeah, be so rewarding yeah. to be able to say that with a smile on your face
4: it is a bit it still seems a bit surreal really yeah i
0: can imagine well thank you for coming in today and joining me here at One 105 breakfast i, I do know. hope you, your experience hasn't been too traumatic
4: <laughs> i don't think so no.
0: and um i do hope you have a very good morning thank you for joining me From 10 till 1. Mid-mornings
5: with Phil Rowe. Cambridge
3: 105.
5: Right, we really are ready now to uh, meet Rachel Cole, an outreach and recruitment officer based at uh, the Cambridge campus of Anglia Ruskin University. Uh, welcome to the show, Rachel. You've been here a while now, getting used to us and settled yeah, in. It's yeah. nice to see you here. You one much. thing I notice about your job and, and talking to you off-air is that, it, um, I mean, one of, you, one of the words we can use is very much, engagement yeah. so you, you have to have huge interpersonal skills to do yes, what you're doing definitely. so really just talk about your role before we talk about Unifest mm-hmm. you um for instance when you leave the studios here this afternoon you're off to Ely to uh, engage yes. with some students there yes. you have really quite a large catchment area you're mm-hmm. talking about uh off air as well you you go into Norfolk to, to do some of your work
6: yeah I work a lot in Norfolk um one of the key reasons I think I work in Norfolk so much is from is because I'm actually from there so um I work a lot with the College of West Anglia in Lynn because I studied there as well, and I enjoy working with them. So, yeah.
5: there's never any thought that uh, you're stealing some of their students, or they might be stealing. I, I mean, are these universities quite t- territorial about their students and their catchment areas? Uh, do you do you work closely and have good, obviously, have good links with with the yes, uh, college um, in Kingston? In Kingsley. terms
6: of Cambridge, we work with. Um, I work in partnership with Cambridge University um, in a collaboration um, on an event where we take some students out together, taking photographs of the city. And um, we don't tend to do that too much. We don't tend to have too much problem. With
5: with clashes and so on. That's good. When we were getting some statistics from you earlier on, I was amazed at the number of students that you have two campuses, obviously mm-hmm. one very nearby us, just off East Road, yeah. along the side, bounded by uh, Mill Road as well, yeah. and your Chelmsford campus, which is the larger of the two, actually. I'm going to be interested to know. Um, well,
6: in terms of Space. Chelmsford's actually bigger. It's more kind of spaced out. But Cambridge, I think we we have
5: more students at Cambridge. And we think, although we don't actually have the actual facts, uh, many more students than I would ever have imagined yeah. across both campuses. How many? How many in total do you think are attending at this any one time? I think at this,
6: Cambridge, I think it's between ten to twelve thousand students.
5: And, and the in balance. Chelmsford.
6: I think overall we've got around twenty-five to thirty thousand students in total
5: across the two yeah, campuses. Yeah, but we
6: also have our Harlow campus as well, and we also have a, a campus in Peterborough.
5: I didn't we're know in that connection
6: with College of West Anglia as well. So we're not just the two campuses. So we've you're got growing, really? As well, yeah, yeah. I mean,
5: I'm an a alumnus of anglia ruskin university as As, yes uh it wasn't called that in my day so this is going to date me it was the ccat cambridgeshire college of arts and technology many years ago and i did engineering study that with you've had two very happy years there um so unifest we'll, we'll talk about that it's not certainly not the first year for this how many years has that been running now
6: I believe it's been going for about five years we've actually we've we've kind of had a rethink of the day and we've we've renamed it It used to be called uni for you so if any listeners remember a day that was called uni for you it's now called unifest similar kind of setup but we've kind of tried to rebrand it and uh, make it more attractive
5: to to families and, and their children so it's so quite a number of years you've been doing it, rebranded yeah. it more recently, and it will be probably the first experience that children, younger ones, you, take, you uh, invite children right down to the age of six. Yes, it's we the age hope
6: group. so. We hope that it will be one of the first interactions because we hope it yeah. will be a really, really positive reaction um, interaction with the university.
5: Six to 16 are the yes. age group of the yeah. people um, that, that can come along. And of course, it's a family day. It's, so, of course, yeah. with youngsters, they should be under supervision at all times. And, of course, their parents uh, will be there mm-hmm. um, with them all. So it's an all-day event. It is, yeah. Coming up on uh, – well, you're have going to do two. So I guess the yes. – gest- we could say the dress rehearsal one, I suppose. They wouldn't like to think of down at <laughs> Chelmsford at <laughs> the campus there. Uh, they're doing theirs on Saturday the 1st of March. It's uh, coming up pretty quickly, isn't it? Yes. Uh, with yeah. the one here in uh, the ARU Cambridge campus at East Road coming up on uh, the 29th of March. Uh, We open from 10 in the morning till 3 in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. Haven't quite finalised all of the uh, the itinerary for the Cambridge one, but just yet,
6: no. Very interesting to go on the website. Yeah.
5: Okay, so the end of the week. So what we will ask people to do is look at that the end of the week. What sort of events then, uh, Rachel? uh, Will you be holding on the day?
6: So very kindly, our faculty, so we've got health faculty, we have a business faculty, arts law, and social sciences, and then we have a science faculty. And very kindly, they've all offered to do various workshops. So each of the workshops that are done by the faculties are in, will give young people a taste of the, the subjects that we do at Anglia. So they're not kind of just random ones. They are actually connected to what we do in a very kind of um, social and interactive fun kind of way. Mm. Um, and then our support services as well have also um, become involved. So, such as um, Active Anglia, our sports department at Anglia Ruskin, they've very kindly put on some sporting activities. So, it's it's a very much an introduction for because we are going out to such young people. It's a real introduction to to university and their local university as well.
5: could spark their little imaginations is what it's all about, especially yes, at the young age. That seed, get them uh, plant the seed, them. Plant seed in the head that uh, yeah. maybe university is a thing for them. Just get yes. used to. so Oh, exactly. Hear the yeah, word exactly. university and have no real imagination of what that could be yeah. and what it's like yeah. to go around somewhere. I, I mean, I have to say, over the years since I was there in the late 1970s, the, the campus has changed out of all. Well, I say all recognition. There are buildings I still remember, there are, and I yeah. used to tread through the hallowed halls. But with a big, you know, obviously investment mm-hmm. on the site that you've had, it's, it really has changed out of all recognition. There really wasn't the students' union bar when I was there back in my day. They had the of Theatre, of course, and there was a refectory. I think we used to call it yeah. on the side of that in the ground floor that's probably all ripped out and changed completely over my day when and it we was we still
6: have the Mumford theater that'll yes, always indeed. be there but aside from that yeah it's massively changed it's changed since i was a student as well four five years ago now
5: and will you be um, holding any sort of uh, arts Oh um, yes, definitely, on the day. yeah,
6: because obviously we have the Cambridge School of Art at the Cambridge campus, so yeah, we've got various things going on. We're hoping that the Ruskin Gallery is going to open its doors to tours, so that students can have a look around the facilities um, We've also got such things as fashion design workshop, so if we've got any kind of budding fashion design students, then they can come and have a go at understanding how that works as well um, We've got a 3D animation as well, so that people can get involved in that. So lots of things that the Cambridge School of Art are being involved with
5: it's a really three sixty degree vista of uh, many different topics there, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. In the science labs, presumably, there'll be hydrogen blowing up in test tubes and going pop under supervision. I mean, yeah. what sort of things it can you do be, under the health and safety with young children? It
6: would be nice if we could do that, but th- the closest thing that we've got to the science side of things is we've got a forensic science workshop where students will actually get to dress up in their in their outfits and, and actually practice some of the um, basic skills that forensic scientists would use uh, in a in a case or That's taking evidence. Yes. So yeah, that'd yeah. be quite cool.
5: Fingerprinting and yeah, exactly. Maybe the yeah, traditional prints, methods of using printing, dust, dusting with dusting, a little brush.
6: Exactly. Yeah.
5: It's probably moved on a bit since then. They probably put they plates still do under. Still to
6: basic ones. Yeah, yeah, really. yeah. So they'll get to use all of that. It's it's not all digitally scanned,
5: things. although probably you do it that way yeah. as well. So yeah, from the something sporty point of view, table mm. tennis maybe, some badminton, some basketball. You've got something creative yeah. going on. Ultimate um, frisbee
6: is going to be going on as well. Oh so, wow!
5: Yeah. I never did anything like that. It was always yeah. a, a bit more stuffy in my day. <laughs> Just, uh, it was uh, the engineering lecturers were always uh, it was always suit and tie and they, yeah. they were of a certain generation of a certain age you know the older boys who I mean very very clever chaps and mm. we really did look up to our lecturers because by that time you wanted to be there because you wanted to learn and, and mm-hmm. study and yes well, you yeah might lark about a bit but you know it was a bit bit more um, a bit more focused than it was at, back at back at, in, in your school days because you, you were there because you wanted to be there a little bit more yeah so you, yeah but, so. Y- and the creative side of things looking at the moment at the ARU list for what you're going to be doing at Chelmsford on the 1st mm. even roof building roof going have-
6: building yeah yeah <laughs> So we've got a lot of architecture over there and uh, those kinds of things, um, engineering. So one of our academics is doing a roof building exercise for students as well. Yes,
5: one of the modules that we did was civil engineering. So they came in with you looking at uh, uh, beams and um, rafters and how they would stay up. Uh, For budding entrepreneurs as well, because Cambridge being such a centre... for business Uh, business anyway and uh, an area that's really survived the recession rather better than a lot of places yes definitely so you you have focus on things like money matters
6: yes exactly yeah so looking into budgeting yeah so Uh, that gives them an idea of budgeting on a whole but also how important it is to budget when you're a student as well not blow all your (laughs) cash as soon as it comes through
5: and some of the events will not be all day so no. uh, when we do look at the itinerary, when it comes off yes. the website, we should need to know when, when the timings yes, will exactly. be for the different uh, parts so of the day. So there will be
6: some sessions that will be um, set up as a, as a kind of lecture. So people that are visiting must make sure that they figure out what time those sessions are going on because as the lecture starts, the doors will be closed. So then it must make sure they're there on time. But they'll get a programme on the day. As I said, the programme will be going up this week as well. So they'll be able to see exactly what's, what's going on and at what times... Um,
5: So, and there'll be tours around the site as well, which is general tours, yeah. Yeah,
6: General tours of the university, so you can get to see all the different facilities. There'll also be tours of the accommodation as well, might seem a bit mad because they're so young but in fact they do want to know you know where they're going to be living so yeah there's that and then as i said potentially tours around the cambridge school of art we'll also be doing back-to-back student life talks our own ambassadors will be talking through what it's like to be a student um, at university and then ourselves the outreach and recruitment team will be doing talks about progression um, into further education and higher education and a little bit on finance as well
5: do you know back in my day rachel there weren't dorms and residences no. we're all day students yeah A series of life's nice change for that the, yeah. the university as it's grown so really we just finalized by saying that it's the unifest event giving more details again the cambridge uh, campus will be opening its doors on the 29th of march yep. that's a saturday uh, you'll be along of course of course we <laughs> <I> will yeah <laughs> rachel <laughs> Uh, Rachel Cole's here with me, and uh, various events which will be advertised later in the week. The um, the itinerary for Chelmsford's already up. The best thing you can do probably is to uh, use your search engine and go to uh, Unifest two, uh, 2014 Anglia Ruskin University. That's how I did it, and that's how yeah. I found the website. I won't give out the long, protracted URL because it's quite a lot of slashes and slashes yeah. and dots and you things. Can
6: just Google it, and you'll just find Google it, it. for that, yeah. and
5: you'll find them there. As I say, all sorts of events, whether you're being creative. Uh, have a bit of a penchant towards business. I know you might be uh, rather uh, not so formal of years it's those between the ages of six and 16 you'll be very welcome but they must book in advance rachel yes, so how please. do they do that yeah,
6: i mean if if you do want to just drop in that's not a problem but booking does make our lives easier and potentially their lives easier because they may well get through the door a lot quicker and be able to get involved in things straight away so they just book online onto the Unifest website and the links there for the booking form
5: and if they're passing through uh, across east road in the front of the building yeah. they can always pick up one of your leaflets yes, or flyers of about the day can, as well
6: yeah and if on the day, if they're walking past, they fancy doing something educational free because it's all totally free and fun, then by all means drop in.
5: And you've been putting these flyers out at places like the park and ride park sites and around ride, Cambridge yeah, and pick up yeah. some more information there. Yeah, definitely. Rachel, Rachel Cole, thank you very much for coming no in problem. from AREU. Have another good day. Are you going to be a busy girl off uh, up, to, uh, am, yes, up Ely to Ely, Ely to yeah. engage with some more students exactly, and uh, yeah. build up the, the ranks and numbers <laughs> yep. of uh, people uh, who will be attending in the next scholastic year, I suppose, yep. from September. Yep. Thank you very much thank for coming by much. today. Thank you.
3: Community radio in your city, yeah. Cambridge 105.
0: I've been joined today, um, of course by, uh, of course, my guests from the Money Advice Centre. Thank you for coming in today and welcome along to, of course, 105. Um, And, of course, Steve Nation. Thank you. Hello, how are you?
7: I'm very well, Merlin. Thank you for inviting me.
0: Thank you very much for coming in. Now, um, we've been covering over the last couple of weeks here on Breakfast various topics and subjects along the lines of kind of unemployment, homelessness and and money issues. And I think the reason why I I kind of came to you was because there's so many organisations out there there, um, some that give completely free advice, some that charge, and it's so hard to know where to go, and because you're a local organisation, so can you tell us a little bit more about what you guys do?
7: Yeah, we're Cambridge Money Advice Centre, we deal with personal debt, so we can't handle it for, for instance, business debt, but any individual, whatever, whatever problems they've got, they can come to us, and we will discuss their, their problems and try and sort them out in whatever is the appropriate way. And um, we work with them on a one-to-one basis. So it's a personal relationship that we develop with the clients. And you're a, you're a charity, is that correct? Yes, we're a charity. We're a, we're a registered charity. We have the advisors are volunteers and they are trained. And the administ- we have volunteer administrators, we have our volunteer trustees, and we have one part-time paid administrator. So that the office is covered at least for a few hours each day.
0: Okay, so there's always always someone around and and how many days a week are you currently
7: open? Are you open? Yeah, we're open Monday to Friday Um, It's by appointment, it's not a drop-in centre so if you contact us, whether it's by phone, email or whatever we will then come back to you the administrator will find out the best time for you, the client to come and visit us and then we will match you up with two advisors so that you, you work with two advisors on your case
0: so you've got that—that that support of two people, Correct. and as I suppose it's a monitoring thing, isn't it as well? So you've got you've got yeah. two, so you can yeah. monitor each other and all the rest of, of that. Course. So I mean, the reason why we got you in today—I mean, the, the main reason why I emailed was um, the shocking, s- shocking kind of survey that came out about people going to payday lenders. Uh, for, for, for things like paying rent and living month to month um, and, and I mean there's a list of there's a very long list of questions that I could ask you but I mean the first one is um, apart from yourself, what other help is there with with kind of dealing with debt and getting advice, I mean where can people go as you, I mean and but nationally I mean you've got the National Debt Service as well, is there anywhere else that people can look to find information?
7: Yes, there, there are numerous um, websites which you can go on and it, you, you know sort of Work on there yourself, and there are, you know, advice budget sheets, how to produce a financial statement. But there are also local organisations, and I would say the first sort of point of call, maybe for somebody who's got financial issues, is to start with the Citizens Advice Bureau, because they can they can assess somebody very quickly whether it's appropriate. To pass them on to an organisation like ourselves, or other similar organisations within the in the in the community, we are Cambridge based, so we tend to focus on the city and the immediate villages surrounding us. But there are other organisations, wider afield within Cambridgeshire, where we can pass people on to.
0: So it's all like a little network of places there is you a can network. go to.
7: We belong to a national network called Community Money Advice.
0: Okay, so there's always it's always good to know there's always somewhere where you can go. Um, I mean, the first question then, we're talking about, about before we get to b- borrowing money, we're talking about budgeting here. Because, I mean, that's something that a lot yes. of people don't do. They, that budgeting is an issue in today's... Well, we, we, you know, we all rely on credit cards and all the rest of it. What kind of things should we look out for when we come to budgeting? And what kind of hints and tips should we maybe take on, into account on expenditure and that kind of thing?
7: Well, I suppose the first thing is to actually start putting together a budget to see where your money is going, to see whether are there are any areas that you are surprised about that you're spending money, you know, excessive money on. And once you've put a budget together to see whether you're living within your means or whether each month your overdraft is extending or whether you're thinking you haven't paid a bill because you haven't got the money. So that, that's the start maybe of looking at, at the situation and try, try to sort of understand where your money's going so that you can hopefully plan better for the next month and for the future
0: and i know it's very easy to say say that and, and and give advice to people to do that but if you're already in that in that hole of right i'm behind on my on my bills for let's say my phone or the rest of it are there any other clear i mean because some people can be so into depth they can't see it. Are there any kind of clear signs or things that people should watch out for um or be aware of they may help them go actually you know what i do need help i am i am stuck
7: oh yeah i suppose the the thing is that to recognize that you've got an issue or a problem that's the first thing if you don't if you don't recognize that you've got a problem then you won't address it and it's that's the point there and what i would say to people is that they're not alone out there you know they can co- they can call us they can call other organizations there is help and support out there for people who are drifting into debt
0: okay and i mean obviously uh, there's there's so much stuff going around about you know unemployment rates dropping and and the potential of, of interest rates going up um, and i suppose people now let their guard down a bit more cuz i think well, we're coming out of the well, we're coming out of the so called recession as such um, so it is something to watch out for. It's a dangerous loop, isn't it? If you let your guard down too much, after let's say you've done your budget, and you, it's all about doing it, but then it's sticking to it, isn't it? Correct. It's, it's yeah. always, always the one yeah. forward. I mean, things that I always find are useful. I mean, like, for example, when I do a budgeting sheet, I sometimes I lose track of things like like TV, that kind of thing, where I can cut back on things that actually are luxuries and, and, and non-essential. So what kind of things should I think about? on that case so for example obviously I know for food is something that's essential and like, mm. like TV TV is going to be obviously something that's a bonus so what kind of things can I can I consider when doing that I mean do I really need it it's probably the best one isn't it
7: I would say you, you've answered your question do I really need it and in terms of one of the issues of t- you know with, with broadband and TV packages you know if you have those extra sports channels if you have a, do I really need those can I can I actually cut back on my budget in that area you know my mobile phone am i on the right contract do i need a contract should i go pay as you go you know it's it's the little things will add up and it'll be surprising how how quickly you can actually get your budget under control if you start to do the do that those sums okay so we've we've covered the budgeting element
0: of that one i suppose the next one then is is borrowing money in a in a safe in a safe way if you needed to what would you say about that
7: well i come from a generation where credit was not something that you thought of you saved up for something and then you bought it obviously today we live in a society which is credit based and therefore you know i wouldn't suggest that people use credit cards to go and buy something a capital expenditure i would suggest they go to the bank their bank and see if they can get a a short-term loan or something like that or today what is growing rapidly within the communities is our credit unions and we have two in Cambridge Cambridge City Credit Union and we have the Rainbow Credit Union which is uh, Rainbow is an East Anglian organization but they are growing rapidly in, in, in the Cambridge area and obviously Cambridge City is what it says it's Cambridge City Credit Union for those people who struggle to save that's a good way of getting into a saving sort of habit with small amounts so sort of for the you can save with them for 15 weeks yep. whatever amount and then then you have access to funds to buy the, the something so your freezer goes and you're not insured or whatever so i would always say to people look at look at to your financial institutions that you are with first the bank and then the credit unions
0: Okay, I I don't know. Again, that kind of comes down to if you then go to a bank, and I mean, payday lenders again. And I'm sorry to come back to them because they're yes. such there are such a negative influence on mm. the market as such. APR is something. What is that exactly? Can you explain <laughs> a little bit what APR is? Because that confuses me, and I you know I <laughs> I don't really understand the concept of it. What is that? Exactly?
7: Well, in simple terms, it's it's the uh, what it says is the annual percentage rate of interest that you would pay on a loan over a period of a year if you didn't pay that loan back okay so with payday lenders they, they have to put that in to uh, explain that the rates of interest that they are charging because they are charging relatively high interest rates per month the idea of a payday loan is that you borrow it for one month and pay it back the next yeah of course what you're doing is you're paying back the loan plus the interest which is significant yeah because you're it, doing it over a short period of time over short yeah and if you don't pay it back on time or you don't pay there's not only the interest charges increases there are administrative charges as well so it's there are you know there are things where they if you go onto their website they say no hidden charges but to explain to an individual who's desperately looking for a short term loan they don't look to that detail and then when they come to pay it they realize actually that £100 is actually... That £100 is now 120 you know. So it's,
0: it's a dangerous... It is it's a thing to watch out for, then, the APR. Uh, yeah. Typically, I know you may not be able to answer this, and if not, please feel free so you can't answer that. I mean, what what am I looking for in, in a good rate? I mean, what should people look at when they come to... I mean, mainstream, I don't mean, you know, on the internet.
7: <sighs> well, with mortgage rates so low and, and interest rates on, on sort of um, your savings so low... Five percent is a figure I would be looking for, but the payday l- lenders are a lot higher than that. My my feeling is that don't go down that road.
0: You're better off saving or going to yeah. a credit union when you can afford to, and, and start planning for the future again, yeah. which is is the whole part of financial.
7: Planning. And ask yourself the question: Do I really need that money now, or what's the reason I need it for? You know, and and come to us. You know, rather than get into a situation where you you get a payday loan and we have known I have heard of situations where somebody has borrowed money from one payday lo- loan company the following month they've borrowed from another one to pay off the first one and it, it's a it, cycle of d- debt yeah so it just and it just mushrooms into a, an excessive debt
0: we're kind of talking debt, and we're talking about we talking about all the kind of elements of, of, of planning and all the rest of that and financial planning what is the implementation then if you do borrow of missing payments
7: well, if they miss payments, of course, the interest charges go up and, of course, they will get further into debt because it's just a, a spiral, really. You cannot sort of, if you miss, the uh, um, let's say, the minimum payment, then, of course, the interest is on the whole of the capital that's outstanding. So it it just grows.
0: So if, I've, if I have a credit card and I've got £1,000 on it, let's yeah. say, and I pay minimum payments for for six months all I'm really paying is the interest Interest. and I'm not paying off the actual amount that I've actually used to purchase the product
7: so it just it just grows and then you might decide well actually I I won't use this credit card anymore maybe I'll get another one or switch it over to another one but all you're doing is prolonging the inevitable I'm afraid
0: so you're prolonging paying for that product that you Mm. could buy up to two years ago that you still got that maybe not be worth, worth yes. that much anymore, so really you're, you're keeping yourself in debt. Um, so of course, consumers of missing payments then, and also uh, credit scoring. I know it's kind of a very, uh, no one really understands or can un- can explain how a credit score works, because that's kind of down to the institution and how they work, but can you explain a little bit maybe about the idea of it?
7: Yes, yeah, what, what, what it is, The um, the companies who have, you know, do the credit, there are three in this country that do it, and what they do is they work on your financial history so your credit history what's your financial pass up up to the present day and each time you apply for credit card each time you pay payments it's recorded and that's kept for up to six years on your credit history they also have uh, your addresses your previous addresses your present address your employment history your marital status and whether you're a homeowner so they have quite a lot of information about you and on that basis they will decide they decide what your credit rating or credit score will be. Obviously, if you are you pay off your credit card each month or don't even have a credit card, your mortgage payments are up to date, you've never been in debt, then you p- could probably have a score with one of them, which would be 999. So that's the top level. Yeah. One of the other agencies will talk with a different, will have a different, or something, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, and you can't escape that because every company that supplies you credit feeds that information into them
0: it's quite interesting because i mean even now if you go to like some of the stores they offer you catalogues to take away and look at they they require a credit check for you there as well so everything these days is done on your credit
7: yeah every every time you apply for anything whether it's a credit card or insurance somebody will do a credit check on you so,
0: and when you apply, let's say you apply for something, does that then, affect, can it, it, can, it can leave a footprint, can't it, on, on your credit score? And, and the idea, I know, I know some advice is don't, obviously don't constantly do it because obviously it will then bring your score down. Yeah. And that's just because people say, well, they're, look, they're obviously looking for credit, so there's an issue there. Is that, yeah. is that the story behind that one?
7: Yes. Well, your credit score, if, if you've been declined, then your credit score will already be low. You know, yep. obviously, uh, some agencies will decide not to give you a card. Some will give you a card. We have seen instances where people have had numerous credit cards when, in fact, they shouldn't have been able to get access to additional credit cards from, from because of the history on the ones they already had. But you know, financial institutions do.
0: <laughs> so the so the other thing about about borrowing. I mean, there are things that. Again, if, you, if it's safe and you've, you've budgeted and all the rest of it and you, you really have to do it and you can go to a, a local bank, let's say, um, kind of things that you need to do. So, obviously, things that are important, like make sure in the electoral register and all that kind of stuff, that can help you as well,
7: can't it? Yes. Yeah, as I said, you know, your, your address and your details are all on there. So, if you keep everything up to date and accurate, then it'll be far easier to get access to credit. Okay. Um, so...
0: We'll, go, we'll move on then to kind of more the other side of things. So that you do find yourself in serious trouble, let's say. Um, you hear a lot of stuff on TV about IVAs, debt management plans. Can you tell me a little bit more about them maybe and what they are?
7: Yes. Yeah. Um, a debt management plan is something... If, you, if a client comes to us and they've got serious debt problems we will look to see whether it's feasible for them to um, work with a debt management plan what that what that is you will s- look at, you'll draw up a financial statement with them in detail so you'll go through a lot of detail with them even down to you know how much you're spending on cigarettes if you smoke that sort of thing yeah. we need to identify everything that see got your income where, where income see what your income is and see where it's going once we've put a debt management plan together uh, a financial statement and we can see if there's money left over to pay the creditors we will then formulate a debt management plan um, sort of allocating that if you like surplus money proportionately to the creditors that's what a debt management plan is we write to the creditors saying this is the client's situation this is what's available for you the creditors you know and we trust that you will agree to this um, and and set the plan in motion now the plan could be six months, it could be a year, it could be five years. It just
0: depends on how much you've got and, yeah. and,
7: and what you owe. But what will happen, That most creditors will agree to it in in the short term, six months to a year, and then we'll want a review, which is, 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 you know, is right. So they can then come back to the client or to us and say, you know, right, we've, this has been running fine for a year, six months. Now we'd like to review it. So we'd have a review with the client to see if their circumstances are the same or if they've changed, and... So that's how a debt management plan runs. OK, and the IVA, what, what's that? An IVA, is, it's, a, it's an alternative to a bankruptcy. So it's, it's an individual voluntary arrangement. That's what it stands for. And it's an alternative bankruptcy. And it's a legally binding arrangement to pay an agreed amount of your debts over a set period to your creditors. So it's not, it's not the whole amount, but you agree to uh, a proportion of the debt to be paid to your creditors and over a period of time. And once that's completed, then the rest of the debt is written off. So any unpaid parts of debt that are included in the IVA are written off when the arrangement is completed. And an IVA can be set up in a number of different ways. It can either be a monthly instalment plan over a fixed term, normally five years, or a short term arrangement if if you have a lump sum to put forward. Some IVAs are a mixture of both instalments and a lump sum. Does that explain it?
0: That, that explains an awful lot. So it's, in other words, it's it's something that will write the debt off mm. after you've paid off a certain amount. But obviously, again, that will then have an impact. Your credit, your credit score would of then course. obviously be yes. completely shot for that period yeah. of time. Is yeah. that correct? Yes. And then I suppose recovery, if you did that from that, would take longer in a way because not like you, not like you're going to do it, but you then start borrowing money again. You kind of haven't really achieved what you were trying to do in the first place, have you?
7: No. The obviously the that that's a solution to the existing problem. Going forward, you need to be looking at how you can manage on your Ex- existing yeah. income rather than going into credit.
0: Okay. So one last question for you then: If there's someone listening now who is who is in debt, who's avoiding who's avoiding the phone calls made from debt collection companies and all the rest of it, what can they actively do? What's the best thing they can do right now?
7: I would say the first thing is to contact an organization like ourselves or or Sisters Advice Bureau and to come and see us. Talk? You know, yeah, talk. You know, the, 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 they've identif- If they've identified they've got a problem that's the first step and that's the biggest step. The next step is then to actually come along and meet with the likes of ourselves. It's quite amazing that the, the transformation that can happen with a person On their first visit coming in with maybe a bag of unopened mail and with all the worries of the world on their shoulder and within an hour to two hours we've sat and talked with them and they leave as if everything's changed nothing's changed they've shared it with us and they know that they've got somebody who will work on their behalf
0: who's on their side who's on their
7: side and takes the pressure off them from the creditors because once once they've signed a letter of authorisation for us to act on their behalf, we communicate with the creditors. So the client is then sort of protected from what can be sort of mental bullying. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: okay. That's brilliant. How can they contact you?
7: Um, via the website, yep. uk by phone. By email, everything's on the website, on the website. Fantastic, yeah. and of course we will tweet that one here at Cambridge
0: 105, thank you so much for coming in today, I really appreciate your time it's been so helpful, uh, ladies and gentlemen uh, thank you of course very much to uh, Cambridge Money Advice Centre for coming in and, and giving us that time and, and of course thank you very much Steve for, for coming in today. Thank
7: you Merlin
3: From 10 till 1
0: Mid mornings with Linda Ness
3: There's a very interesting evening in store at the Polar Museum in Cambridge tonight. Attendees will start with a mystery tour of the collection and then listen to Arctic myths and legends and tales of polar adventures by candlelight. It sounds absolutely brilliant, actually. And here to tell us all about it is Rosie Amos from the Scott Polar Research Institute. Welcome to Cambridge 105, Rosie. Hello. Hi. Now, this sounds like quite
8: an unusual museum visit actually what what made you come up with the idea well i think we're always trying to get people interested in in polar things and there's so many events like this for children like storytelling but actually adults want to have fun too they want different ways to look at things so we're always trying to come up with new ways and fortunately we um uh we know cambridge storytellers who are wonderful at storytelling and so they're going to be coming in to provide the storytelling tonight Ah so they're the ones who'll actually be doing the
3: doing the storytelling They will yes And they'll all be related presumably to the Arctic or to cold climes of some description I would imagine
8: They will yes We've got lots of different kind of themes so you know, some of the people who've gone to explore the Arctic, like Franklin, or things to do with shamanism or the Aurora. So it's a whole mix this evening. Oh, wow. It sounds it sounds very, very good. And the, the tour, presumably that's a guided tour that you'll be doing to start off with in the evening. Yes, that's right. Especially for people who may, may not have come to the Polar Museum before. So just uh, showing around, but a slightly different type of tour to normal. But as you said, it's a mystery tour, so I can't give too much away. <gasps> And you're one of the you're one of the tour guides as well. I am, you? yes. You
3: so you're being very cagey about that, and quite right, right too, because you're and it's sold out. I hear this this event this evening.
8: It is, which is wonderful. Um, but good. we will be doing similar things in the future as, as we realise there's so much popular demand. So.
3: Yeah. So on the on the tour, what kind of artifacts will people expect to see? I mean, probably stuff that's already on display in the, in the museum normally, is it?
8: Um, some of the things, yes. But we've also got some things which have just come into our permanent collection, which weren't there previously. So uh, one item is a gut parka, which is actually a piece of clothing made out of intestines, which is a piece of Inuit clothing. Um, oh. So, uh, yeah, it's you have to see it to believe it.
3: <laughs> when you said gut parka, I would kind of expected some sharp instrument that pulled out the guts from animals or something. <laughs> park your, your hook inside the animal and pull it But And we were just saying when the music was playing that museums are great these days, aren't they? Because when I was little, I have to say, they were dusty, stuffy places. And now they're, they're kind of more vibrant and alive. And you were saying that it's a deliberate move, really, on your part,
8: isn't it, to bring the community in? Exactly. I mean, museums are living spaces, especially um, the museums that are part of the university, because they're actually used by people, for, whether it be for inspiration by poets or by researchers, to find out about the history of the objects or the climate science that some people do at the Polar Museum. So... Uh, They're meant to be living spaces that are meant to be used by the community that are constantly changing, you know, not just part of the past. And you were saying that you've got a poet in residence as well. We do. We're very lucky to have um, Caddy Benyon, who is a poet, and she'll be actually reading some of her poems tonight at the event, which is wonderful. Um, she uses the collections um, to inspire her for her poetry. She's focusing a lot on the um, Arctic things, especially the, the history of the Snow Queen, which is a fairy tale by Hans Christian Andersen uh-huh. um, to inspire her, her poetry. It's incredible. And is that mainly aimed at children, that
3: particular, the the Snow Queen work?
8: Um, Well, we originally did some work with children over the summer to do with that, but the poems are quite varied and there are a lot which are adult-focused as well. So it's for everyone.
3: And I see that this event tonight is uh, for over-18s only. So is it primarily
8: educational or is it kind of the focus more on fun this evening? It's both. That's the whole point. <laughs> All the events we do, obviously, you will learn things from. But I suppose when you call something educational, it people seem to think it's going to be boring and dull. But basically, you'll learn a lot about Arctic culture by listening to the stories. But it's a night where you get to explore the museum by candlelight. And listen to stories with a glass of wine in tow. I mean, it's so adults get to have the same fun that families do. <laughs> How many people are coming along this evening? Uh, 95, so it's going to be a packed evening. And you sold out already. That's It's excellent, but I think it's still worthwhile
3: talking about this in the video. And I know, I know actually that Marion Leeper was on Drive Time with Chris Jordan a couple of weeks ago, I think. And she was also talking about stuff that's going on in the museum. And she happened to mention this as well while she was on. So and, and any other events you want to talk about that are coming up? Uh, At the Polar Museum.
8: Uh, We've always got lots of things coming up. If you're looking at something similar to the stories by Candlelight, during the Science Festival we have a few events which are for adults as well. One of them is called Phantom Islands, which is a talk and a movie showing all about islands that explorers thought were there but weren't and the mythology and the science behind why they saw them the way they did. Mm -hmm. Um, That's on the 13th of March, part of the Science Festival. And we also have uh, Out of This World, the Arctic Science Experience, where, again, we have one for children and one for adults. And the adult one will allow you to basically take part in a mission to go and map the atmosphere. So we're actually having part of a plane put into our lecture theatre so people can be part of this science experience. So... um, Yeah, should be a good evening. That's on the 19th of March. And they
3: can find out all of this information from your website, presumably.
8: Yeah, that's right. So you can either go to our website or the Science Festival website, and bookings have already started now.
3: Okay, Well, it's been great having you in this morning, Rosie. I hope tonight is a roaring success. I'm sure it's guaranteed to be, I would imagine, because it sounds like it's going to be really
8: interesting, really exciting. Sold out already. What (laughs) more could you ask for? I don't know. No, it's wonderful. Thank you so much. All about the city.
7: Cambridge 105.